welcome to Book World, The Great Escape. I'm author CJ Peterson. We'll see if my cohort is ready. Howdy, sir. Are you back with us? I hope. Can you hear me? Okay. And my cohort is author Michael Scott Clifton. Yes, we can hear you. Today, we have author Stephen Gies as our guest. Welcome, sir. Hi there. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm just great. I'm looking out the window at the lake on a sunny day, and everything's beautiful. Nice view. Uh, before we get started, Mike, how was your weekend? Oh, it was a pretty good one. Um, Mike, your internet is still glitchy. Barely. Um, could you try again? Can you hear me now? Not really. You're still glitchy. Um, so going. Uh, my weekend, while he's trying to clean that up, my weekend was we spent at Kimo Kauai Comic Con this weekend. So got to have some fun with my partner in crime on Magic Making Mischief, Mambirala. And we were able to find lots of little goodies at a Comic Con. I mean, anybody who knows me knows that I just have fun at it. There's a reason why we call it Magic Making Mischief. We get into all sorts of trouble. Yep. It is super fun and love doing it. This weekend, we're heading to Fan Expo Dallas um, and get to get the autograph of Joseph Quinn, who played Eddie Munster on Stranger Things. So, like, super fangirling, super happy. Um, <laughs> it's to celebrate my birthday weekend. Mike, how you doing? Did you get it cleared up yet? For me? Not really. Try. We're getting, like, every other syllable. I'm a little um, so, Stephen, in the meantime, how was your weekend? Uh, very, very busy. It's just been uh, crazy. We've got a whole bunch of new book projects that have just come in, and we've published three or four in the past week or two. So just busy, trying to get caught up on stuff. Oh, wow. Sounds like fun. Stephanie Aldoni says hi. Hi, guys. So hi, hi Stephanie. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Because you and your world encompasses a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, back in the day, I used to be a television producer and I also composed and produced music for television. But on the side, every now and then I would just write stories just, you know, because sometimes you have to. Um, and I started to collect a few stories here and there and kind of started writing a novel. And the next thing I know, I had a novel. So I started doing the querying, got an agent, got a contract and, and got kind of frustrated with the publishing industry early on. Um, I had enough other things going that that was just kind of a little side thing. So mm -hmm. I wasn't real invested into it. And, you know, I just kind of played along, along with it for a bit. And uh, one thing led to another and I hired somebody to help manage that. And a couple of friends of mine who had publishing contracts got fed up with their contracts and their publishers. So we decided just to turn it into a publishing company. This was 26, 27 years ago, something like that, Fresh Ink Group, and do our own publishing. So, again, I had mostly people working for me doing that kind of stuff until I retired. And then I decided, well, now I can cherry pick, pick and choose what kind of projects I want to work on. Do I want to work on the cover design on this book or bring in somebody? And, you know, it's, it's, it's a real cool thing. And I can move to Alabama next to the lake because it's the kind of work that you can do from anywhere. So that's what we do now. We're putting out a book every week or two. Um, it's not much of a retirement because I think I'm busier now than I've ever been. 
but every week or two we put out a book and you know we do everything from the uh, you know, the cover design and editing and all that basic stuff that goes into books. But we also make the animated book trailers and marketing materials and do other stuff to go with them, too. And that's a lot of fun as well. So that's how I wind up with a bunch of hats, because there's just a handful of us. I think uh, six people total involved with Fresh Ink Group. And we kind of share work, pick and choose and and just have fun. Awesome. Uh, Beam Weeks popped in. So greetings to CJ, Michael and Stephen. Hi, Beam. Hi, Beam. Uh, he will be our guest next week. So yeah. looking forward to that. He's more interesting than I am. So hang on. <laughs> no, actually, you're very fascinating. Um, we were talking about the fact that you had gotten into a car accident. How long ago? Uh, 26, 27 years ago. Something like that. The car accident? Oh, the car accident. Um, that was a year and a half ago. Yeah, mm -hmm. right at a year and a half ago. And you had hurt your hands in it. And I'm like, for a creative, that's like a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was a piano player all my life. And, you know, you use your hands for graphic design, use your hands to type, to edit for, for pretty much everything. And uh, I wanted with 11 fractures between my two hands. So uh, I had to have surgery, you know, rehab, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to get them all back like I can't bend this thumb. You know, oh, it's like, yeah. hey, I can bend this thumb. This one, no. You know, this this finger's crooked. It's They're, they're never going to be right again but i keep rehabbing and working and you know i'm playing music again and sometimes just having to adjust not use this hand quite as much or you know and just play till it hurts take a break okay. uh, mike are you back with us can you hear me yes we can all right hi mike okay yeah we had a hey, little bit of Steven, uh, <clears throat> sorry about the um, technology glitch it happens. Lots of happens with lives. So mm -hmm. here and there. I think we're having something going on around here from a from a uh, wireless standpoint because even my phone has a uh, just a couple bars, and that's not that's usually not the case. So. Um, well, I know that that's normally your go-to. That's why I was. Yeah, yeah, what... it's making my phone a mobile house. Never had this problem until what last week or something like that. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure what's going on. Um, so, well, I <clears throat> I did have a question for Stephen. Stephen, where do you, you may have already covered this, and I missed it on the, <laughs> on the blackout on my part. Where Where do you live? Where are you living? I live in Guntersville, Alabama, which is the northeast okay. part of Alabama. the The big city for here, 40 minutes away, is Huntsville which okay. is the aerospace industry, basically, and is now the <clears throat> biggest city in Alabama. It passed Birmingham just a few months ago to become the biggest well, city. Oh, but wow. if you head out um, uh, east from Huntsville, kind of southeast, you run into a 212-square-mile lake, Gunnersville Lake. It's one of the biggest lakes in the country. Of course, I'm from Michigan, so we know what big lakes are up there. But, you know, down here, it's uh, Gunnersville Lake and Okeechobee are the two big lakes in the south. And uh, so I'm living right here, right on the edge of the lake, got a boathouse and a boat and go out fishing and sit on the deck and think about how much I, I should be working on stuff instead of sitting on the deck. But, you know, <laughs> so, you, so you don't miss the cold winters, huh? I don't miss those at all. No, I, <laughs> I, I plan my trips back to Michigan around, uh, you know, spring, summer and fall. And then, uh, and then just watch the news and watch the snow and think, man, that used to be me. <laughs> Wow. So wow. we have you done for like slipstream genre. What is slipstream genre? 
Boy, slip, slipstream is kind of a hard thing to define. It, it kind of came out of uh, science fiction. Um, I, I use it, and many people use it, basically in terms of a story that's real but has something in it that's not. Um, you know, like, so it's not like you live in a supernatural world. You live in a regular world, but there's something that happens in that world that might be supernatural that you can't explain. And I use it as a device. I'm not a type who believes in supernatural stuff. I don't believe in basically anything. Um, but I like to use it as a story device just to have something that changes the equation a little bit and makes people deal with that. Like my novel, Dance of the Lights, it's the dancing lights. And you've got to read the entire novel to figure out what those dancing lights are and why they're there and what they mean. And, you know, do they exist in the real world? No, but they're a great little story uh, device in order to help tell what's happening with the people in the real world. So that's kind of what Slipstream is. It's like a real story, a real world kind of story, but it's got that little bit of element in there of, oh, how do you explain that? Or where did that come from? So it's and like that makes it fun. So it's basically a story with a little bit slipped into it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Very cool. Sounds a little bit about like uh, uh, the type of fantasy contemporary that's contemporary setting and you have contemporary characters, but you have some sort of unusual science fiction or fantasy twist to it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Is that kind of a good description? Yeah. Yeah, and I think the reason I kind of focus on the slipstream aspect of it is because I write in like almost all the genres, like my short story collection. You know, you've got Southern Gothic and science fiction and fantasy and, and you know, coming of age and, and just, you know, every story is a different genre and they're written in different voices and different styles because that's my thing. When I don't like to do something the same way twice. I always like to try something different. But when you look back at all of those, it's like, gee, what genre are you? Well, all of them. Uh, you know, except a couple of things. Um, I, yeah, I don't get into the porn and I haven't been doing urban fantasy or any of those kinds of things yet. Doesn't mean I won't try someday. But when I look back at all of those, the thing that's characteristic of my stories is they they tend to have that little bit of slipstream. So that's what I that's what I say is my genre slipstream. All of them combined with a slipstream right through the middle of it. <laughs> I like that. It's kind of cool. Uh, so how many books do you have out and what are they about? Um, I think 14. Uh, you asked me that right before the show, and I didn't even know the answer, so I had to look at Amazon really quick. Um, more than half of them are novels. Um, again, different genres. Um, one of them is a collection of short essays, 54 essays. They're uh, personal experience essays, like things that happened or tributes to people or whatnot, where you find some meaning in there. And, you know, moral of the story kind of stuff. And some of them are humorous. Some of them are pointed or whatever. And then I have a collection of short fiction, 19 short stories, which is my newest book. And then I have four or five G's writer how-tos, which are for writers. And I, I'm not sure exactly how many are out. It's either four or five, but I've got like 15 more written. So it's just a matter of one of these days, I'll get the time and get those things out there too. So I think 14, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> And that's not all you do. You guys, you and um, actually Mr. Weeks is going to be on next week. Are do voice of the indie podcast? Is that correct? Oh yeah, yeah. We have a lot of fun doing that. Uh, we've had people like C.J. Peterson and Michael Scott Clifton, and I mean, we've had the best of the best. <laughs> that's cool, and you get to meet a lot of different people. 
and oh, it's yeah. Yeah. audio only and it's wednesdays at what did we say eight eastern eight, eight eastern time yeah seven mm -hmm. central so what made you guys start that uh weeks he uh we had both belonged to a uh, club uh, years ago and part of that uh, writer's club was uh, he and several of the others started doing little podcasts where they interviewed each other basically in the club and he enjoyed doing that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and that's all in the past now uh, we don't have any association with that kind of stuff but we were working with Fresh Ink Group and talking about different ways to market and basically get our people and their books out there and get some more visibility for them and he said well we need to get back into podcasting again and I said, all right, tell me how much and how to make it happen. And he went and did all the legwork and he's the one that's producing them now. So he produces them out of Michigan and I get on here in Alabama and, and uh, wherever our guest is. And we've had them, you know, in other countries, most of them are in the U.S. But uh, we just get in there and have a talk and, and have fun. It's really cool because sometimes we're it's a chance to illuminate somebody we know really well. And it feels good to give them that chance. Other times, we don't even know these people. It's somebody's publicist reached out to us. We went and looked over, saw their books, their website, and thought, okay, yeah, interesting author. Let's have them on. And we don't know hardly anything. So it's a great way to meet people. It really is. Oh, I agree with that. So your Fresh Ink Group, how did you guys start that? Well, when I got my first... Um, offer of a book contract 27, 28 years ago, something like that. Um, I was working like three jobs equivalent full time. I was doing the TV production. I was doing all the composing and producing of the music. I owned a couple of pizzerias. I had a catering company and I was just spread really thin. And then all of a sudden this book contract comes in. It's like, okay, here we go. And we're going to need you to review these and we're going to need these edits. And you know, all this, here's the timeline, boom, boom, boom. And a lot of it was legwork. So I hired a woman in, you know, one of the greatest cities in the world, Dallas, and uh, uh, had her just basically take over running that, that stuff for us. And she just managed me, tell me, you know, what I what she needs, when and where, stuff like that. And we started growing and people started noticing what we were doing and saying, hey, can I get in on that? So it's like, yeah, sure. Come on. And it just kept going. Um, that woman, uh, Ann Stewart was her name. We lost her after about 20 years, um, sure. probably five, six years ago, something like that. So we really miss her, but we've got a, we've got a good team and we, uh, we still do a lot of things her way, which is pretty cool. That's a tribute. Yeah. It's always do y'all look, look for certain kind of authors, Stephen, or you just, whoever, whatever catches your eye or interests you? in terms of it, uh, publishing other authors? It's more of the whatever catches our eye. You know, we thought at first we were going to mainly focus on fiction, novels, short stories, things like that. But then people came to us with some really cool nonfiction books. And uh, to my surprise, in the age of the Internet and a trillion websites, we're still finding nonfiction sells better than fiction for mm. the most part. Um, our probably four <laughs> out of our five top bestsellers in the past year have been nonfiction. Uh, so uh, who's going to turn that down, especially if they're interesting books? And then somebody brought us a kid's book. Well, we don't really want to do kid's books, but hey, this is a cool book. Why wouldn't we want to do this? So it's it's kind of, it just kept growing that way. And one thing led to another. And probably more than half of what comes to us is like referrals. One of our authors 
who knows an author yeah, and says, right. this person's been looking for somebody for a long time or has had some bad experiences. I'm going to recommend you. So it's, it's not so much a question of, am I interested in your book? It's, am I interested in working with you? Sure. And then your right. book is what you bring with you. And, you know, who knows what you're going to do mm -hmm. in your next book, your next book, your next book. So we're looking to grow authors. I mean, right from the beginning, we call them members at uh, Fresh Group. Yeah. If you go to our website, the tab says members. And that's what you click and you see who all of our authors are because we wanted it to be like a family. You know, everybody sure. knows everybody and supports each other and looks for opportunities to reblog or anything you can do to just keep, keep us all out there. And uh, that's pretty cool. So for the most part, no, I, I don't think we've ever, I, I turned one down one time that was hate stuff. Yeah. There was some right. Right. stuff in there and some, some things like that. And I said, no, I don't want to be involved in that. But for the most part, if it's well-written and, you know, it's not something that's harmful to society or, or hurting people, bring it on. Well, we've done, we've done uh, a broadcast or two on publishing <clears throat> and it includes uh, what to be very careful about uh, when looking for a publisher, because there's so many bogus and fly-by-night publishing uh, companies out there. So, uh, in fact, we, you know, I did a presentation to an author group in Tyler about, you know, that was kind of based on what we are, are, are broadcast about that. So can you tell anyone who's watching today's show, what would you, what would you tell them just top one or two or three things to look for that either indicates that this is a reputable publisher, or this is one of those fly-by-night operations, and you should run away as fast as you can? Um, I go look at them all the time because there are competitors, and quite often authors are coming to us and telling us, I used to be with this company. So I go check right. them out. So I am used to seeing a lot, a lot of them. A couple of things stand out to me. One is uh, I get turned off if they're very oblique about what is their process, what are their costs, what's what's involved in this. If everything is a sales pitch and nothing is practical information, mm -hmm. that's a big turnoff to me because they're just trying to make money. And the ones that I wind up respecting are the ones that tell you up front, here's how we work, here's what we're about, here's what our priorities are, here's what we do and here's what we can't do or don't do. And I like those, you know, talk to me, tell me what, what, what the deal is here and let's see if we can work together. I get real turned off by those others. Another one is um, I would I would talk to other people who have published with them. I think that's probably the biggest way to find out because um, people either have good experiences or bad experiences. And if they're bad experiences, they've got some real stories to tell. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times um, they're the ones that can tell you, well, you know, I thought this, it was going to cost this much up front, but then I found out why well, I have to pay for this and then mm -hmm. I have to pay for that. And then, you know, so it's, sometimes it's a money kind of a thing. Sometimes it's a control issue. Um, you need to look at the contract and see who gets to make what decisions. And, and, you know, like a fresh ink group, everything is the author's choice. That was the whole point. We did it for us because we were authors and we were unhappy with our publishers. And we thought, well, what kind of a publisher would we like to work with? So we became that publisher. And, and, and you know, I'm not saying we're perfect by any stretch because it's always an effort to try to get better and better at doing this stuff. But we're very author centric and 
when you're going to look at other publishers, you either feel that author centrism or you don't. And if you don't, that's a red flag for me too. Um, you, you see TV commercials for some of these bigger companies and, you know, Hey, call, you know, we'll send you the whole booklet on how to do all this stuff. And they spend some money in, in their recruitment and their customer acquisition costs and stuff, but it's all about the sale. And the more I get sales pitched, the less interested I am in working with somebody. I think those are probably the things that stand out to me most. Um, another one is you want to look at what kind of marketing they're doing. What kind of image do they have? How's their website look? You know, you go to their website, links are broken. Um, that kind of stuff. That's a turnoff. Oh, and, and I'll throw one last one in there. When you're looking for a publisher and everything that they're trying to show you has typos, misspellings, bad editing and stuff like that in it, run. <laughs> I'm going to add one more thing to that list. If they say they can guarantee a certain amount of sales. Oh, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> That's yeah. a definite no-no. Um, being... I almost feel bad being the guy who tells, tells them up front, hey, let's be real here. A lot of people aren't going to sell many books. Sometimes it's not about numbers. It's about quality, pride, mm -hmm. you know, accomplishment. Yeah, we're kind of along the same lines at Texas Sisters Press. We literally, our page says what we do, what we don't do. Our price list is on there and our contract is on there. So I get exactly what you're saying 100%. Mm -hmm. It's like, are they transparent? Are, you know, are they promoting their authors? Like you were saying, yours are members. Ours are the TSP family. You know, it's like, how how do they operate? You know, what is it? How, what do their authors get? Um, Bean popped in here with Ann Stewart was a backbone of Fresh Ink Group. She is missed every day. She and was. Then, he <laughs> said, is royalty sharing and ownership of one's own work is important. And that is critical as authors. Yeah, the details in the contract, obviously, are one of the biggest things you have to look at. Who owns what? Who controls what? When can you get your stuff back if you have to give it up for a while? At Fresh mm -hmm. Group, we don't we don't take ownership of anything. It's mm -hmm. it's set up so that they continue to own it. It's like work for hire, it, even though we're investing a lot of money in it too, hoping to make back some royalties. But that kind of stuff, those details are in the contract. You got to read those contracts carefully. Sometimes mm -hmm. that one sentence just leaps out and says, "Oh, sorry, not here." Mm -hmm. Definitely. So you have the fourteen books, and you said. You said that none of them are written the same. How do you do that? Uh, well, for one thing, I think it helps that I do so many other things. I'm not constantly just working on a book or a project. I might go six months and not be working on any writing other than, you know, posts for Story Empire and, you know, things like that, blogs and, and whatnot. Um, it just comes down to when it come when I'm ready, when I'm feeling itchy and like I have a story to tell. <laughs> and usually, usually it's not so much a story to tell as a point I want to make mm -hmm. and different ways that a story can make that point for me. When I'm feeling itchy and want to do that, then I just feel like, okay, have fun. What are the different ways I could do this? Could I do a first person, third person? You know, is there a cool thing I've never done that would work? And sometimes I'll even write the opening scenes three or four different ways and experiment until I find the one that I like. But I'm a hardcore outliner, too. So a lot of that decision is made during the outlining process, because when I get my plot and things organized, a lot of times I can see, hey, this isn't going to work in the past tense because I need my character to be self-righteous and think that he's right, even though he's going to find out he's wrong. 
-hmm. I can't let him have hindsight. So this one's got to be present tense. And sometimes you don't see that until you're pretty far along in the process. But otherwise, I just like to play. I like to play with the different voices. You know, I'll read a Barbara King solver and think, oh, I could do a Southern voice, you know, or and just have fun. Very cool. Um, yeah, usually there's planners and there's pantsers. You sound like a pretty good hybrid of the two. You kind of got a little bit of planner and a little bit of pantser in you. Yeah, I'd lean toward planner. <laughs> We're both pantsers, and usually pantsers give planners hives and planners give pantsers <laughs> hives. So <laughs> that's the thing in the author world. But we still all love each other. Yeah, yeah well, you know, um, I compose music. You can't really start to structure a piece of music, especially if you have guidelines. It has to be 60 seconds or it has to match this animation or it has to break in these certain places or whatever until you play and come up with the ideas. So, you know, it's the it's the pantser music approach until it's time to get organized and then you have to become the planner. And I think writing is like that. I like to just play like a pantser would, but when I've got a pretty good idea of what I want to do, then I like to organize the Jesus out of him. I really do. I like when I'm organizing chapter 25 and I want this, 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 and this to happen, I want to go back to chapter 18 in the outline and plant that seed and go back to chapter nine and make sure the character says this one sentence that's going to foreshadow or whatever. And outlines is the only way I can do that. I, you know, it's just too much rewriting for me to go back and keep changing and modifying and enhancing scenes that I should have decided up front what I wanted. Yeah, I just mm -hmm. literally sit down, pray and type and keep a list of the characters and off we go. <laughs> I never know how anything's going to end. So. Yeah. I'm jealous of that. <laughs> Anne Lamott in her book about uh, where she was giving advice on writers, she said she said something like, uh, um, no matter how how organized people are, there's they have to do some of it off the cuff and they have to organize it, even if it's in their head. Um, and it does not flow naturally for anybody. And then she said, except for one woman we know, but we all hate her. <laughs> <laughs> Never that's did figure out who that woman is. <laughs> I don't know who that woman is, but I know that that's literally what I do. Um, like there's three series and two standalones where the characters cross over storylines never planned that it just happened wow and yeah i literally when i say i literally sit down yeah. pray and type that's literally what i do like the one that's coming out in the end of august i still don't know how it's going to end hmm. i'm just, jealous of that i just do that <laughs> i just boom there it is so but yeah. you know each, each author is different and that's that's the beauty of the author world and the author community as creatives right. you know we all kind of band together and we all for the most part, probably about 90%. There may be those few on the in-between. But for the most part, we like to encourage each other and you know help each other and share the work because we all know that there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in every single one of our work, whatever it is, whether it's music, whether it's writing, whether it's painting, whether it's drawing, whether it's graphics, whatever it is, there's a lot of work into it. And as creatives, that's one of the things I do love about our world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We have a few minutes left. Sure. Is there one gold nugget you want to leave somebody who's listening who may have like questions like, for example, one for a podcast, one for author, one for publisher, one for producer? Um, I don't I didn't understand that. 
Um, do you have like one piece of advice that you would give somebody who's interested in any one of those subjects? Oh, um, let's go with uh, author. Um, I think right now the thing about uh, trying to break in and be, in, be a new author is the competition over um, quality of the writing is going to continue to rise um, because there's more and more of these programs are helping people fix grammar and spelling and things like that. And it's getting to the point now to where the ones who don't know that kind of stuff are standing out more and more. And this mm -hmm. is my perspective as a publisher who sees a lot of submissions, people sending us stuff. Um, if you want to be an author, never quit working on being better at writing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's a whole industry you have to learn. You have to you know, and, and get out there and read the stuff, you know, learn your point of view, learn your show, don't tell and those kinds of things. But always keep working at being a better writer. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like to keep changing genres and stuff, because I'm, I'm trying, trying something new. I want to get better at it. And why do what I did the last time? You know, um, that's, that'd be my advice to authors. Keep working on your craft. Don't get caught up in the marketing and the being a writer. Uh, just be the writer. Yeah. There's a balance in there. Yeah. Um, I think that can be applied to all of the hats that you wear. Yeah. Yeah. As far as, you know, learning and, you know, understanding your craft and doing it. And like you, I do enjoy the challenge. Like I previously, I wrote a time travel one because I didn't have historical fiction yet. You know, what I'm doing right now is a romance. I don't have romance. So I'm tossing that one in and seeing what I can do with that. And, you know, don't be pigeonholed into just one or formulaic in what you're writing because it will get boring and you're going to lose readers. Yeah. 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 That's true. So, well, thank you so much, sir. You've been very, we've been mm -hmm. very appreciative of having you on. People who want to learn more about him and everything that he does and all the hats that he wears, you can find him at HTTPS, StephenGeese.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-G-E-E-Z.com. Make sure to look up their podcast, which is Voice of the Indie Podcast on Wednesday nights. Um, check that out. Check out Fresh Ink Group. They're pretty easy to find online. Trust me, they're not hard to find them. Um, and you can enjoy them. And they've got a great sense of humor. You're going to love their podcasts. Um, and next week, we're going to have his counterpart, Beam Weeks, <clears throat> counterpart to, to the Voice of the Indie podcast. He will be on. He'll be talking about historical fiction. So make sure to tune in next week. In the meantime, have a great week. Enjoy. And we'll catch you guys next, next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye.